Uh, I love that time that we get together and watch uh, just what God's doing in people's lives. It's, it's why we're here, you know, and um, such an encouragement. Um, when I was uh, 13 years old, I was totally convinced that uh, I wanted to do stand-up comedy, uh, comedy writing for television, acting, and voiceover work. And so um, by 13, I'd just been studying all sorts of uh, kind of entertainment world heroes that I had and uh, was really kind of headed that, that direction and was excited about it. Uh, I didn't know if I'd be any good at it, but I was excited about it. Uh, when I was 15 years old, though, then I met Jesus. And um, he's got a way of getting into your life and then uh, setting the direction of your life in a whole new way. And so um, now I needed a process. Okay, Jesus, what, what do you want from me? And so um, I selectively began to listen to him. And uh, at 15 years old, uh, my youth pastor um, started having me help out in the junior high ministry of our church. And I fell in love with it. And uh, I started feeling the beginning tugs of, oh, no, God, are you calling me into vocational ministry, like ministry as a as a job and and oh my goodness. And then, and then my youth pastors were all super missions minded. And so I went on all these missions trips, all these locations across the, the globe, hated every single one of them. I'm not joking. I couldn't, st- I don't like getting dirty. I don't like manual labor and I don't like icky food. And so that was, that was the sum total of my missions experience was, all of that sort of stuff that I, I hated. And so I just kept coming back going, okay, Lord, please don't call me into ministry. And certainly please don't call me into missions. That would just be the worst. And so I got through high school and I had matured just a little bit, um, but not enough. I was still fighting God. And so I didn't even consider going to a Christian university after high school. I went to my freshman year of college at UC Santa Barbara, and uh, that was an absolute nightmare. We're not going to talk about it. And, um, <laughs> and I continued to fight God, though. Some health issues came up, and I was wrestling with God, and he was, he was gaining more ground in my life than losing ground. And so I said, okay, okay, I will go to a Christian university, but I'm not going to study anything Bible. And so God said, okay, if that's the way you feel about it, I've got a little mission trip for you. <laughs> he moved me from Los Angeles, California to go to a Christian university in Northwest Arkansas. <laughs> Arkansas, where men are men and women are men too. That's the problem. <laughs> um, it's a crazy place. And I just could, I, I got there. And, and God continued to take more ground in my heart. And um, I, I double majored in English and broadcasting. I was impacted, though, over my, my time there most deeply, as God would have it, by my professors that were teaching my, my Bible and theology and ministry classes. And uh, by the time I graduated, I immediately moved back to uh, back to Southern California. And uh, like a lot of you, you know, when you get back, uh, college is done, okay, now what? And so I um, was working four or five jobs at the same time just to make ends meet. I was a substitute teacher 
um, worst sub ever. And I was a temp at a bank. I worked for an interior designer. I was a tour guide at Universal Studios Hollywood. I went on auditions and I got a part-time job as the junior high guy at a church. And I was doing all of those, just trying to figure out, okay, Lord, what is it that you really have for me? Even though I was pretty sure I already knew. And it just took a little while for, for my ears and my heart to catch up with what God had for me. And so um, two years into doing all these multiple jobs and a lot of opportunities opening up in the entertainment industry, my, my heart was just leaning so much more toward uh, youth ministry. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'm done running. If you want me to go into youth ministry, uh, I'll go. And the next day, my old youth pastor called up and said, my family and I, were moving to Ecuador to be missionaries. That's going to leave an opening here at the church in our youth ministry, and you should apply. And I said, uh-uh. <laughs> so... I still wasn't quite there, still wasn't quite listening. And, um, but over the next couple of months, the Lord batted me around a little bit and uh, I, I finally realized, okay, Lord, I, I'm all in. And I dove into that youth ministry track and, uh, just tried to, uh, figure out what that was looking like, a life in, in professional vocational ministry, um, and still hating missions. And yet knowing what God has to say about it. And so continue to take kids on, on missions trips. Now my own students and my own ministry all over. And uh, we were in Bolivia playing duck, duck, goose with 17-year-old Boliviano kids. And they were in heaven. And then we'd return home a couple of weeks later. And we'd take hundreds of American high school students up to a camp where on a Sunday night they would do a multi-million dollar laser light show opener and we'd walk out and the high schoolers would go, oh, it was better last year. And yet, my heart was so burdened for those kids. Um, for, for so many in our own culture that uh, didn't know Jesus. And it was burdened in a different way than it was for those Boliviano kids or kids in Ecuador, or kids in Mexico, or kids uh, in all other places. And so um, I just started to realize that this mission of, of following Jesus is just that. It's a mission for all of us. And missions is simply doing what God has called and gifted you to do around people that don't know Jesus so that they might come to know Jesus through you. Missions is just doing what God called you and gifted you to do around people that don't know Jesus so that they may come to know Jesus because of you. And so you are on mission right here and right now. You are on mission in our community. And God has also called you, whether you like it or not or enjoy it or not, to be on mission for him in other parts of the world. And so it begs the question, what is your individual role and responsibility, uh, not just here in church or in Prescott or in your family, but what is your responsibility and my responsibility uh, to the nations? Um, what, what is the responsibility of Heights Church to, to take the gospel and to model and reflect Jesus to people 
on all, all other parts of the planet, not just the United States of America. What, what's that look like? By now, we've totally established this fact. It was so great just hearing John those first couple of weeks in this series, What Could Be, uh, giving us just the biblical scope of what God is doing and building his kingdom here. And, uh, and then the part that we play in it. By now, we've just totally established that quite simply, God's got a heart for the nations and he wants you and I to join in with him. And you, you can do that. Or you can disobey. Jesus gives us the great commission in Matthew chapter 28 just by saying, go and make disciples of all nations. And he gave that, that commission to his disciples and then he, he goes on to give it to uh, subsequently to all followers of Jesus. We're to go and as we're going through life, uh, make disciples of all nations. And so um, there's an author and pastor that says we've really only got a couple of responses to that commission, that, that command. And we can go, or we can send, or we can disobey. Jesus says, go and make disciples. We can go, we can help others go, or we can disobey. And um, so this is essentially a message, yeah, about God's heart for the nations, but more than that, it's, it's a message about obedience today. It's a message about faithfulness today. But it, it's, it's, it's better than that. Um, nobody likes to hear a talk on obedience. <laughs> but it's better than that. And here, here's the thought for this morning um, on screen is, is this, obeying God always brings a blessing of some sort. And uh, that's new for some of you, and that's just a big fat reminder for most of you. But um, God doesn't call us to do stuff that, um, you know, we're just going to go do begrudgingly or because we're guilted into it like we heard last week or whatever. It, it's that there is a tremendous blessing that comes uh, when we obey God, and sometimes it happens immediately, sometimes we recognize the blessing years and years down the road. Uh, the blessing doesn't always come in the manner or the timing that you would choose, but uh, when you obey God in the little things and the big things, there is always a blessing of some sort. But the blessing may not even be for you, <laughs> but when you obey God, sometimes someone else is blessed. And that, that keeps me going. And you think about it, if you think about someday getting to heaven, and I hope this isn't just some concoction of my mind, but that someday when we get to heaven and you're surrounded by all sorts of people, every tribe, every tongue, every nation represented there, how, how amazing would it be to be blessed in heaven someday to, to have someone else that doesn't look like you or sound like you come up to you and say, I've been looking for you. I've been waiting to meet you because here's, here's something you, you may not have found out, but I, I lived in a whole different nation that was on the other side of the planet from where you lived. And yet I'm here because of what Jesus did for me through you. I'm here because your, your church was a, 
a missions-minded church. Your, your church was a place that had identified some missionaries within your own congregation. Your church had raised up some people who were being called and had been gifted to go to other parts of the nations. And so they were obedient to that call. And then you were obedient to supporting them to that end. And they came and the gospel hadn't even been translated into our, our language yet. And they came and they learned our language and they translated our language. And then they lived out the gospel and they shared the gospel with us. And Jesus came close through the obedience of of you and your people. And I'm here in heaven now with you because of that. I I can't wait for those moments. And I want, I want thousands of those moments. There's an amazing intersection between our obedience and the blessing of God. And I want to look at that this morning in Scripture. If you have your Bible, get it out and go to Genesis chapter 12. And if you need a Bible this morning, raise a hand and then someone will bring you a Bible and you can follow along. And, uh, and then feel free to keep the Bible that they give you this morning if you don't, if you don't have your own. <coughs> Genesis chapter 12, um, first book of your Bible if you're not real familiar. And here we're going to look at the story of Abraham. And John's referenced it already. We're just going to spend a little bit of time leaning into the first three verses this morning. It's a story of this, this man, Abram, that's going to later have his name changed to Abraham. And uh, it, to me, is the story of the inseparable link between obedience and blessing. There is an inseparable link between obedience and blessing. And when we obey, there's some blessing of some sort. And, and what God is promising to Abraham here is um, the blessing of the finest and the highest order. And God's heart to bless all people. Um, it really kicks into the highest gear at this moment uh, right now. And look at this. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And just to be clear, uh, the land that... God is calling Abram to go to isn't called the land I will show you. Um, he, he's calling Abram to literally get up and go. And then somewhere along the journey, God will clue him in exactly where he's going. He continues on with the promise. Verse 2. And notice along here how many times God says, I will. God says, I will do this. I will make you. I will bless you. Which is cluing you and I in to God's the one that's going to do what he's going to do. And then he's inviting us to join him in this work. And specifically Abraham in this case. He says, I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and cur and whoever curses you, I will curse. And then catch this. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I love that. 
that right here we get clued in. This is called the Abrahamic covenant. It's a promise that God makes with this man, Abraham. And the promise, this covenant is to bless Abraham so that eventually all peoples will be blessed. That's what God is doing. That's what God is about. He is about the blessing of all peoples. All those that would believe, all those that would be open to, all those that have ears to hear, God's saying, I'm not just for these people and not for those. I'm not just for the ones that look like this and not like that. This blessing is for every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. And it's going to start at this beautiful intersection of the intended promised blessing of God and the obedience of this man Abraham. Now, don't get me wrong. God is going to bless no matter what. God is going to bless all peoples no matter what. Whether Abraham obeyed or not, God was going to fulfill his promises. God always does what he says he will do. But Abraham had the option of opting in or opting out. He had the option of obeying or disobeying, and therefore the option of jumping into this river of blessings or missing out on a blessing. It's like the story of Esther, where many of you know she rose kind of in a crazy set of circumstances to a position of influence as, as queen in a nation that was not her own people. And right at crunch time, when her people are getting persecuted, there's an opportunity before her to step up on behalf of her people. And a relative of hers, Mordecai, comes and says, who knows, Esther, that God hasn't put you in this place and this position for such a time as this. And I love that because there are those moments where you and I go through where you look around and, and it's so clear that God has put you at this place at this particular time and gifted you and given you this opportunity for such a time as this. God loves doing that. But I love Mordecai's next line even better. He just says, but if you say no, if you choose not to do step up on behalf of your people, then God will provide delivery and rescue from somebody else or some other angle. You'll just miss out. You'll miss out on the blessing. You'll miss out on being used of God. And so we're not going to thwart God's plans. We're, we're, we can't. But we can miss out on the blessing. And I don't want to do that. I've done that too many times in my life. How about you? And so what could be uh, for our church, for our family, and yes, even for the nations, if we just say, yes, Lord, if you got a heart for the nations, then count me in. I don't know what that looks like yet, but count me in. There's something going on here in this covenant between God and Abraham. There's a promise that's unique to Abraham. But there's a principle here that isn't unique to Abraham. The promise that's unique to Abraham is, I'm going to bless you by, by giving you land. Physical land. And then I'm going to give you a blessing of descendants. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Even though when he's getting this word, Abraham's 75 years old. And he's not had descendants yet. They were unable to have kids. 
Can you imagine getting that word from the Lord? I'm going to give you many descendants and Abraham's got to go, but I'm 75. Ew. (laughs) And it would be over 20 years later before the first child even comes. Can you imagine how much of a test of faith that would have been to hear from the Lord? I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to make your name great. Give you many descendants. Just to receive that as truth at first and then to have to wait on top of that a long time to see that come to fruition. It's a test of faith. But the promise that's also unique to Abraham is that where the descendants that are going to come from him, it's going to be quite the line of descendants. King David is going to come in the line of Abraham. King Jesus is going to come in the line of Abraham. And that's where the blessing is going to reach out to all peoples because Jesus essentially is going to come through this family line of Abraham and he's going to bring the forgiveness of sins for all people. The good news that your slate can be wiped clean and that you can start afresh and you can be given purpose and you can live a life with meaning and and mission. And ask that question, what could be, and actually have... A God that can fuel the answer to that question. And so what a blessing, what a promise. That was unique to Abraham, what he was going to do through Abraham. But what isn't unique to Abraham is the principle here. When that promise came, Abraham could have obeyed or disobeyed. And the principle here is this. There are many challenges to obeying God. And that principle is true for you and me. It's true for everybody. When God says, I would like you to do this, I'm calling you to do this. Even when we know there may be a blessing attached to it, it's still hard to obey God, right? And that's the principle that I see in Abraham right here. Can you imagine the challenges that would have come? To Abraham being obedient here, it's the challenges a lot of us face today. On screen here, here's just a few. Here's three of the challenges to Abraham's obedience. Um, One is he couldn't stay where he was and obey God. God was calling him to get up and leave the land of his father and go somewhere else at 75 years old. I don't know if you've ever had to uproot your family or leave family behind you felt like god was stirring something up and and calling you into something and that meant that you had to move jobs or you had to move houses or you had to move cities or you had to move nations (laughs) that can be a challenge to obeying god especially in what we're talking about today obedience to god as it pertains to the great commission And making disciples of all nations. You may not want to take a short-term trip or a long-term trip or a permanent trip to another nation. The question you've got to ask is, is God calling me to do that? Is God asking me to do that? Scripture calls us all to play some part in it. But what is your particular part? I believe wholeheartedly that if God had called me into Hollywood and that's where I needed to go, then that's where I should have been. If he had called me into global missions somewhere else, 
He would have gifted me to that and made that crystal clear and I should have been there. But because he called me into vocational ministry, I believe that that is where he called me and that's where he gifted me. But I also believe that the great commission is still binding on me. And so I've got to call all of us into what God's doing around the nations. And so does John and so does Mike and so do the other staff here. It's why in a couple of months I'll be taking my family um, into Southeast Asia on a trip that Heights isn't a part of, but we're just because I've got to engage my my family in this and my boys in this, um, expose them to what God's doing and and take them along this journey of what it looks like to love the nations the way that Jesus does. And I know I'm going to hate it. <laughs> I'm just being honest. If I can do it, anybody can do it. Can you imagine the challenge to Abraham in obeying God when he didn't even know exactly where he was going? God says, you need to go to the land that I will show you at some point along the journey. That's quite the challenge. I'm the personality type that before I proceed, uh, especially with things of importance, I want every question answered. I want every T crossed and I dotted. I think through every potential possible outcome and downfall and I figure out how to best avert those possibilities. And then if it seems completely safe, I'll wait for about six months (laughs) and then I'll take a step. Basically, what I've realized is I'm trying to eliminate any need for me to have faith. That's not what we're called to. And sometimes he will call us to take a step of faith faith first and we'll go, well, where am I supposed to go? And God says, I'll tell you later. You're just supposed to take the first step. Go as far as you can see. Can you see the first one? Yeah, I can see the first one. Okay, I'll do that. You start thinking about, well, I don't know what it's going to be like if I take a short-term trip here, if I uh, commit to praying for these people, or I commit some uh, amount of money to help support these people here. I, I don't know what's going to, yeah, you don't know, but just take a step. Try it for one month, or go to the informational meeting, or come to Ascent tonight, or, you know, whatever your first step is, and you just kind of figure it out, and then be obedient one one step at a time, and Ask for him to give you sensitive heart and ears to where he's, he's leading. You may not have all the answers um, before you, you need to go. And not having the answers cannot trump um, your obedience to God. Um, we may never have all the answers, right? And sometimes you have all the answers and you still get in trouble. So being faithful and obedient to God is always the better choice. The last challenge to Abraham's obedience, I think, was just his life stage didn't match with what God was promising yet. I mean, he's, he's, at, he's an old man. And now God's saying, get up, go somewhere else. I'll tell you where later. He's an old man. God's saying, I'm going to make many descendants through you. This is not what you want to do as an older man. And so his life stage didn't match up. And so... I think that's so true for even us today when it comes to obeying God, especially with regard to God's heart for the nations. I think oftentimes we can think we are too young or we're too old. And let that 
trump any obedience to God's call on our life. I'm to this or I'm to that. Or my life circumstances aren't perfect for this right now. And they may not be. But if God's calling you, and you can't let that trump your obedience to Him in those moments. And yes, it may be challenging, but there is always a blessing at the intersection of obedience and, and what He wants to do in your life. There's, there's some sort of blessing that accompanies obedience. It may not be immediate. It may not be in the manner that you thought, but it will come in your community groups, as you gather this week, look at the study, because there's, there's some different verses in there that expand out the full scope of, of this covenant and promise. It points you in a direction of, of where you may play a part in going yourself or, or helping send other people. Talk about that in your groups and pray about that w- with each other and see what God begins to, to stir up. Obedience is hard, right? And it takes time. I'm so glad God's patient with us. And I'm glad He's been patient with us as a church. Um, But I would love to share with you just briefly about some areas where I feel like um, Heights is is trying to grow in obedience to God in this area of making disciples of all nations. Uh, We'll talk more next week about local implications but this week as far as the nations are concerned you may have already played a part you you may have gone on a trip or you may have just been a part of giving here and so in so doing you may have already been used of god um, to fulfill the great commission in other nations you just may not be aware of it yet Um, last year We sent 25 people to the Dominican Republic two different times to reach people there. We sent 25 people to Mexico last year. We sent six to a group of missionaries and missionary wives in Indonesia that are ministering to unreached people groups. We sent nine to the Czech Republic to share the gospel with people that didn't know Jesus in that nation. If you just bought a coffee at some point last year, then you are a part of contributing. All the proceeds in our coffee shop go to our global partners, our, our ministry partners. And so $20,000 last year alone went to our ministry partners just if you bought a coffee. And you may not even have known that you're taking part in a, in a small way in, in helping other people um, minister to those around the world. In 2016, and I, I guarantee you that this will continue. But uh, with regard to our budget, uh, the hands and feet budget, uh, the ministry budget for our missions is the largest percentage of our ministry budgets here uh, at Heights Church. And we will continue to expand the scope of that because um, the more that I just believe that Psalm Psalm 67 tells us that God wants to bless us so that we can bless other nations. And um, I love that, that picture. 
God has blessed America so, so much. And I don't think it's so that we can just have more and more. I think it's so that we can turn and be a blessing to those that have need for it. And he's blessed heights immensely. And I believe that's so that we can be a blessing to others. And so we have to put our money where our mouth is in regard to our missions and let that that be a blessing to other nations. This year, we will send 11 teams out to the Dominican Republic, to the Czech Republic, to Cambodia, to Brazil, to Kenya, and to Mexico. We are currently ongoing financial partnerships and care for missionary global partners in 10 different nations around this country, the ones that I just listed and a couple others in the Middle East and in Indonesia. And there's so many local things that are going on here too. We'll talk more about next week. You got the red buckets on the back wall that whenever you contribute there, what goes into those buckets goes to bless uh, people in need in our church or in our community. Single moms that can't make rent or can't get enough food to help out their children. You name it. There's a team here that oversees that and is blessing people. We're one of the few churches in town that's able to do that. We're leading the way in northern Arizona for foster care and adoption. We'll talk more about that next week. But our own Colby Millsap was just down at the governor's office a couple of weeks ago on the invitation of the governor because last year he he asked that churches would stand in the gap. He said the only way that we're ever going to kick a dent in foster care and adoption in our state is if local churches step in and do something about it. Local church is the only hope. Our governor asked us to do that. And so Colby was down partnering with the, with the state and partnering with several other churches leading the way uh, to represent Jesus in a real tangible way in adoption. We're growing ministries to biker communities and nursing and hospice facilities and the crisis pregnancy center and to the recovery community in town and to the Navajo reservation. And we will keep on doing this. And we need all of you to to go and be a part of this. And we need all of you to help others go and be a part of it. Just be sensitive to what it is that God's called you to do and gifted you to do and then walk out in faith in that regard. Because I believe, like I said, there is this river of blessing that God is already positioned toward the nations. If this is his big master plan to bless all peoples of all nations, then he's already set about this blessing river to the nations. And so it makes sense to me that he would want to bless people and churches who are engaged in blessing the nations. He's going to fill up the trucks that are headed out to the nations full of blessings. And so if we're a church, if we're a people who are saying, here we are, we know you want to bless the nations and we want to join you in that. We count it a privilege to join you in that. Then count me in. And I just, it just makes sense to me that God would unload the blessings that we would take out to the nation. So we're not earning God's blessing. We can't earn that. We're just going to jump into the river of blessing that is already headed to the nations. If you'll jump in with me. And what it may look like for you may look different for you in jumping in, but you should jump in nonetheless. There'll be plenty of opportunities for that. There's a woman named Karen Watson who 
was a missionary to Iraq. Uh, but in 2014, um, she was killed uh, by unknown assailants, um, but because she was a Christian. And when the organization went in to her home after she had been killed, they found a letter that was addressed to her home church pastors here in the United States. In the back of the envelope, it said that the letter was only to be opened in the event of death. And so they mailed her letter back to these pastors. And uh, here's what her letter said. Dear Pastor Phil and Pastor Roger, you should only be opening this in the event of death. When God calls, there are no regrets. I tried to share my heart with you as much as possible, my heart for the nations. I wasn't called to a place. I was called to Him. To obey was my objective. To suffer was expected. His glory, my reward. His glory, my reward. And then she says this, I just think is so brilliant. In her letter to them, she spelled out a definition of a missionary's heart. And here's what she said. It's also on screen because it's that good. She said, the missionary heart cares more than some think is wise, risks more than some think is safe, dreams more than some think is practical, and expects more than some think is possible. She said, I was called not to comfort or to success, but to obedience. There is no joy outside of knowing Jesus and serving him. I love you too and my church family in his care, Karen. And while I do believe that that is a wonderful, fantastic summary of a missionary heart, I also believe that every single one of you that call yourself a follower of Jesus is a missionary. And you have been called to do what God has gifted you and called you to do around people that don't know Jesus so that they might come to know Jesus. And that goes for here. It also goes for all the nations. And so what could be if all of us followers of Jesus at Heights Church begin to care more than some think is wise and to risk more than some think is possible and dream more than some think is practical and expect more than some think is possible? What could be? I'm excited for that. And I'm going to be praying for more and more of that sort of heart in, in my own heart. And so, Father, we, we do pray for that right here and right now. I ask, Lord, that you would continue to shape my own heart this way. I ask, God, that you would give clarity to people in this room that are trying to figure out exactly what it is that they're gifted for and called to. Help us just figure out what it looks like for us, Lord, and, and walk in obedience to our calling. We know, you, we know that you've called all of us in here to be a blessing in some way, shape, or form to the nations. And so whether that is going ourselves or helping others go, would you find us faithful to that end? Lord, the more that we lean into our relationship with you, uh, that intimacy with you, I know, God, that, that that will just breed uh, an amazing passion 
for your mission. And so we come to your altar right now and ask for you to continue to work on our heart in regard for all the nations. In Jesus' name, amen.